Hello and welcome to Rollins Around Town. I'm Sam Stark and I serve as the Vice President of Communications and External Relations here at Rollins College. Rollins Around Town is a showcase of outstanding people who make dynamic and important contributions to the Rollins campus or throughout Central Florida. In both cases, these are difference makers who help uplift the mission and brand of Rollins and who help make our region a special place to live, learn, and work. Today, I'm delighted to welcome Phil Anderson, Mayor of Winter Park. Mayor Anderson is on his second round as a city commissioner, with the first time serving as a city commissioner from 2008 to 2011. He was elected mayor this year and began his three-year term in March. His background is impressive. Georgia Power Company, Hyatt Hotels, CNL Retirement Properties, Bridge Senior Housing Fund, and a few other impressive corporate stops along the way. And needless to say, Phil is a community servant with his time supporting numerous nonprofits in Winter Park and throughout Central Florida. So, Mayor, welcome to Rollins Around Town, and thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you, Sam, and it's really a pleasure to be here. And, uh, you know, when I first moved to Winter Park 23 years ago, you know, it was just such a wonderful experience. I, and to have Rollins anchoring one end of the city and then Park Avenue the other way, other end. Um, from the first time I moved here, I just knew I wouldn't be leaving. And <laughs> so I want to thank you and, and all the folks here at Rollins College for making it such a special place. Awesome. Well, thanks. We can talk a lot about that collaboration and partnership along the way. So can, can we start a little bit with sort of your background? I know you... Um, got your undergraduate degree at Georgia Tech. What, what was your story leading up to getting you to and through Georgia Tech? You know, I, uh, I, I chose Georgia Tech um, because I wanted to really build buildings and make a difference in the skyline and in people's lives. And that's the path that I thought that I would take to get there. And, um, you know, I ended up working as a cooperative student at Georgia Tech and uh, started working for Alabama Power and Georgia Power Company. And that's really how my utility business started. I I worked as every other quarter we worked for the utility company. So I got out and I started building power plants. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, that wasn't quite the uh, building homes and residential that I thought I was going to do. I ended up making a left-hand turn and started building Hyatt Hotels. I went to work for the Pritzker family out of Chicago and ended up building several Hyatt Hotels before I really found what my passion was. And while we were with Hyatt, I was asked to join the team that started up a retirement community affiliate for the Hyatt Corporation. And frankly, that led me into the industry that I spent 30, 35 years in. Fantastic. Took several different paths, but it was always building homes and residences for seniors. That's awesome. Where did you grow up? You know, I, that's, a, that's a great question, <laughs> and it's always a little complicated to answer <laughs> because I really grew up in Manila, Philippines. I moved to Manila the son of missionary parents okay. when I was very young. And so my formative years were all spent uh, living overseas in Manila. Wow. I came back and uh, went to school and high school in Birmingham, Alabama, and then went from there over to Georgia Tech. Fantastic. But uh, roots have always been here in the southeast yeah. and uh, 
but my formative years were spent overseas. Love it. It was uh, uh, during a, a very globally interesting times that have some parallels to today's times, um, but um, it was a great experience to be overseas. That's fantastic. I love that experience. So it must have started in 2007, maybe a little earlier, but but what let what led you to throw your hat in the ring the first time to run for city commissioner here in Winter Park? You know, it's a, it's kind of an interesting story. We had just sold a company in 2006. And at the same time, there were some issues circling around in Winter Park, mostly about intensity and what does charm yep. really mean and, and how do we keep that charm alive. And so I had this moment in time where I could focus on giving back and becoming a public servant for the first time. Uh, we had sold the company. I had a non-compete. And so I could put my full energies into serving Winter Park. And it was really my first experience ever in running for an office. Um, I will share I've been politically engaged at the federal level for a long time in my industry. Uh, we were engaged with political action committees and making legislation happen at the federal level. So it was a little bit of a bringing it back to the grassroots. Right. And, uh, and, and it was just a great privilege. And I, I will say that one of the, so I, I had the opportunity to serve. I had the opportunity to run, and running for public office was uh, a, 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 something I'd never thought I would do. And for an introverted person, it was a stretching and growth experience. Right. But the best part about serving that first time is meeting all the people. Yeah. You know, we ended up, uh, my, my wife and I ended up meeting so many people that have become close friends. And the experience of really seeing what your city is like, oh. you know, walking up and down streets and meeting a whole group of people that you never would meet, right. except for the fact that you were taking on this challenge. That's fantastic. It's a fantastic experience. Yeah. And we did some good things. Um, you know, that was during the middle of the great financial crisis. We started with a lot of ambitions and we ended up just making sure that the city would survive and come out thriving. And it uh, did. And great. it did. So you left office, and you're just crazy enough to get back in, and not <laughs> not just to get back in, but to run as uh, as the mayor. What what was that inspiration for you to to kind of get back into it? You know, it was uh, very very similar. Yeah. Um, we had uh, we had built. I had started up another company with some of my uh, former partners, and I was getting close to phasing out, and and we ended up. Um, listing that company, but I had the same, same opportunity. You yeah. know, it was, the time was right. I had the opportunity to commit time and energy to serving the city. Again, there were things going on that I thought, you know, this was a time when we were looking at what's really going to define the city for the next 50 to 100 years. And um, I had some strong opinions about what charm meant now, what charm should look like in the future. And, um, got engaged and we, we took another hard run at it. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm excited to say that we managed to, uh, to get through the election yep. and, uh, proud to have gotten through my first hundred, 120 days. <laughs> That's fantastic. We'll get to yeah. that in one moment, but yeah. I've been following elections, city elections since 
2002 when I was at the Chamber of Commerce, and mm-hmm. uh, obviously that's where I first met you. But what one thing that stood out for me during this most recent campaign, the mayor's uh, race election, was Rollins' student engagement. And I, I just don't think that that's happened to, to the degree it did both, you know, I have friends in your campaign, I have friends in your opponent's <laughs> campaign. Um, was that an intentional strategy by you or did it just sort of happen organically that the Rollins students sought you out and said, I want to help? You know, we intentionally looked for Rollins students and very young folks to pull into our campaign. And we did it for a number of reasons. Number one was there was a feeling that there was a desire to get engaged in grassroots efforts. Um, We found a number of really, really strong and committed individuals that really wanted, that had a a similar feeling in their heart about what Winter Park meant to them, and we could pull them in. The second was more practical, (laughs) and the more practical part is social media. You know, in 2008 and nine, when I ran the first time, (laughs) uh, social media wasn't what it is today, and uh, we knew that that was a vehicle that we needed to tap into. And what better way to tap into it than to have people on your campaign team that really understood that and had grown up with that. And so it was really two-pronged. Number one, we found people that were just enthusiastic about their town while they're going to school here. Yeah. And the second was they had skills to bring to bear that were really, really meaningful. Yeah. Um, and it frankly broadened, you know, my perspective of what the issues in the city were. And uh, I am very, very appreciative to their engagement. And to all those that have thought about it, uh, getting involved in grassroots politics is the best way to get started. Yep. You learn a lot about what moves people and how to look at issues and how to get those positions out there. So really, uh, I can't encourage that engagement enough. I love that. Talk a little bit about being a public servant, right? Like particularly in City of Winter Park, being a city commissioner is not a full-time job. I know it is time-wise <laughs> and commitment and energy and passion-wise, but it's certainly different than being a... Um, you know, a state representative or a U.S. congressperson. Um, t- can you just talk a little bit about, you know, maybe some of the differences? And, and if and if Rollins students are listening, like, um, what, what, what's the why behind wanting to get involved in, a, in an elected position? You know, when you, why don't I, I talk first about the difference between grassroots Great. and state and national. And grassroots has a bigger impact on your day-to-day life than yes. any other level of government. I mean, and particularly if you're vested in the community as a homeowner or as an employee or as a worker or even as a student. You know, we grassroots determines what your personal security looks like, your fire, your police departments look like, your response times. Grassroots affects what tax policy is that makes the most impact on you. Right. You know, your property taxes or indirectly what your rents are. It has an impact on the commitment and the vision of the city. You know, the parks that surround you and the traffic control. And so these are the things that really affect your day-to-day life more than anything else. And, uh, and I think to have the opportunity to influence what happens to you every day 
is is part of the big reward. You know, but it's also part of the frustration because all of your decisions are really personal. I mean, you are people that are directly impacted. You know, they see you at the grocery store. They see you on Park Avenue. Right. You know, you're, you, the, the, the decisions that you make are not esoteric, very ephemeral, you know, high-level decisions uh, that you have to face at the national level and right. at the state level. It's all very, very, very local. So you get all the benefits. You do meet the people that you impact, but you also get a lot of feedback. Right. And, um, you know, we have a city manager form of government, which means we have a fantastic staff led by a city manager, and their role is to keep the trains running on time, and they do a really good job. Yes. You know, the city commission jumps in more like a board of directors, and that board of directors has to decide sort of which direction the city's going to take and, uh, and then ask the city manager and the team to execute that. But, uh, you know, it, as you mentioned, it's a, uh, it is, while it's intended to be a directive sort of visionary board, um, you can choose how much time you want to spend in it. And, uh, and I think we actually at the moment have some really fantastic folks serving, and we really always have great people serving, and they put in a lot of time right. for a position that does, that's not a full-time paid position. Yeah. Um, you see a lot of effort, and it comes from love of community. Yeah. Well. Regardless of your, your positions on the details, to do this kind of service comes really from the love of the, your community. And that has been... One thing that's always stood out and, and struck me is that the people who run, some who don't win, but all of those who do, do it for the right reasons, right? right. Like, right. you're not doing this. No one on the commission, I don't think, has ever done, at least in the time that I've really paid attention, is doing it for some massive next step of political gain and fame. Right. It's truly for the love of community and, and love of Winter Park. So right. it's impressive. And, and I know um, I and others at Rollins thank you all for putting yourself out there to do that. Because especially today, as you said, uh, I'm sure it was even a different experience in, in your first round without social media <laughs> <laughs> than it is today. I mean, you're much right. more popular. And that, I put that in air quotes. Um, so what was the status of the city when you took office in March and, and now you're 100 plus days? Is there any dramatic difference one way or the other or is are things in you know going the way you want and, and, and expect? You know, when I when I took office, it was really about um, really about tackling three or four big picture items. Um, the first is really about you know defining what charm means to the city. Um, in 2016, there was this visioning statement, and the, the two top responses from hundreds of residents and students was, you know, with your vision for Winter Park, what makes the most to you? And the answers were really, really clear and compelling. You know, they wanted to maintain the charm of a small town. Mm -hmm. And secondly, they wanted to maintain our history and heritage. And so one of the goals that I came in was to make sure that that vision of the city is the premise to all the decisions that we make. And we tried to filter a lot of the decisions that have been made through that premise and that vision. And I'm pleased to say that 
a process, uh, the Orange Avenue overlay, which is really a guideline for how we might envision redeveloping Orange Avenue. Um, you know, it's it's gone through a path for the last almost three years now, and we just passed a version of that last Wednesday. Uh, that took a lot of effort. It had a lot of work from a lot of people, and I think it culminated in our approval uh, last Wednesday. That will go through a form- formal approval process now. But that was one of the things that we worked on really, really, really hard. The second thing is to make sure we were focused on the capital and the investment priorities for the city. And it takes two forms. Number one is what are we going to do to make sure that our economy comes through the pandemic, first of all, safely, but secondly, in a a healthier way than it was when we went into the pandemic. You know, what does that economy look like and where are we going to spend and make investments to make make sure that happens. And so we put together plans. We spun off the chamber and their task forces efforts and then sort of put it to work in a continuing basis. And I have to tell you, we are going to win the battle of the lights <laughs> <right>. this Christmas. <laughs> You're starting to see those Christmas seasonal lights go up now. Uh, we have probably doubled, maybe even tripled what we would normally spend. And, uh, uh, it's going to be a special, spectacular place, and that's the investment for our economy, or one of the investments. The other investment was looking out at our parks and our transportation and other building facility priorities. And this commission actually put in place a 25-year um, forecast or spending plan or investment plan. And we did that to make sure that we knew what decisions were in front of us, but also to be prepared for the bills that may be coming out of the federal government um, on you know, infrastructure investment. We want to be prepared so that when those, that type of thing happens, that we can take some of that and make long-term investments in the city. And I think the last thing is, is really just shift the culture a little bit. You know, we, we tend to divide our city into, um, you know, pro or anti. Right. And what I have found, and really the city really represents, it's not pro or anti, it's what is consistent with where we've been for the last 140 years and where we want to go for the next 140 years. What is going to make uh, make Winter Park the same charming place that we came to love? Right when we either came to school here or we moved here so that we bring our kids back and our grandchildren, it's still going to have the same kind of charm. And, um, and I think that I want to get out of that pro and anti yes, and instead just move on to a range. Yeah. You know, this is a range where we all agree. And sometimes there'll be folks outside of the range on either side, but the majority of residents have a pretty clear idea what they I think that's, you know, that's a critical point because I think what I, again, tried to observe is the differences weren't that great mm-hmm. between the so-called pros and antis, right? And um, for the most part, people were pretty close. So I think your strategy and philosophy of sort of developing a range really puts the greater majority on the same team. Right. And that's just so important for a small town like Winter Park. And what to do that, we have to have pictures. 
And that's right. one thing that you'll see us doing and is, is let's put pictures out there so we really understand. It. Yeah. And, um, um, but those are the really the big things, the big picture things. There's a lot of things that we're always making continuous improvements with. Um, really, really proud that we have made adjustments and we've been able to recruit and retain a full police force. I will tell you, we're looking for a lot of other employee bases. Um, so, but those are the other things yeah. we're working on. And, you know, I think it's important not to gloss over the lights, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like that's a bigger deal than people think, because in essence, for 30 days, I think people in the region, they like going out to these different places and different communities and, uh, and it makes a difference. And it, it might seem very trite and minor to people, but um, for 30 days, Winter Park's going to be at the top of the heap in all these smaller communities. And that's, uh, that's fantastic. And that, that's the whole point. What Winter Park has to offer is an experiential way of shopping and dining. Yes. And, you know, you fold that into Central Park. You fold that into what do you experience when you walk up and down the avenue, when you go to different parts of the city? What's your experience? Um, you know, there, there are restaurants all over the metro area. Right. But the experience on Park Avenue, the experience in Winter Park on Orange Avenue, it's just different. And let's just make that a great experience. Love it. That's well done. Speaking of different and new, um, Winter Park is about to open a new library and event center. Uh, and it's quite different than what we normally see in Winter Park. And I love it personally. Um, it's scheduled to open by the end of this year. Is that still? That's right. Yeah. We're, we're still looking at a uh, December grand opening. And it is very exciting. You know, it's, uh, I've managed to take a few tours of the interiors of the two buildings. And actually, those tours are available on Thursdays. You, we need to, you have to book them through the appropriate people at the city. But you can get in there. And there is, it's, it's amazing. We're, we're getting very, very close to furnishing those. Um, beautiful, beautiful interior spaces overlooking our Martin Luther King Park. Um, and I think it's going to be a phenomenal asset for the city. Uh, we've already got events starting to be scheduled at the community center. Um, and there's actually going to be a lot of events going on at the library as well. Yeah. But for those of you that have not been able to see the interiors, you can book to go see and, and tour that tour the property. Yeah, now. I love it. That's going to be so cool. So the, uh, you know, the, the million dollar question or maybe more is what, what's going to happen with the current library site? Everybody <laughs> expects and assumes Rollins already has a deal and has bought it from the city, which is not the case. Um, I know the city's had good discussions on that. What, what's going to be next for the, the current library site? Well, I'm going to backtrack just a minute. So when I, when I ran for my first term in 2008 and right before the big recession hit, we had started an effort called Planning the Possibilities. Yes, I remember. And in that, we were trying to figure out what are we going to do with the old library. <laughs> right. So that goes back to 2008. Love it. Um, you know, I think there are a lot of ideas floating around. We are actually, the commission is having a workshop on that in uh, actually at a later part of this month. Um, and uh, after Wednesday's commission meeting next week, we'll have a work session on the, on the old library. So I think there's a lot of ideas floating around uh, from repurposing the buildings to, you know, uh, an art interest, repurposing the buildings to a commercial interest. 
uh, making it a park. Um, but, uh, but I think what I am hearing is most folks want to continue to have the city engage in that location mm-hmm. and whether it, you know, how it gets repurposed is, is really still up for grabs. There's a lot of different options out there, but uh, I'm sure we'll, we'll be having a lot more discussion <laughs> um, continuing from 2008. Yes, so it's old as new. Um, you mentioned this at the open of the show about the history and the connectivity and the partnership between Rollins mm-hmm. and the city of Winter Park. Can, can you talk about that a little bit more? Sort of what to you is the value of, of town and gown? You know, I, so when I moved to Winter Park, I fell in love. I mentioned that yes. earlier. Uh, you know, my story was I was with the Hyatt Hotel Corporation. I'd been staying for 13 years at really big, fancy urban hotels, which are fantastic. And I came down to interview, and I said, can you put me up at a bed and breakfast? And so CNL put me up at the Park Plaza Hotel. So I got up the next morning for my, you know, to go down for the interview and I stepped out and you see these brick paved streets and right at the end of those brick paved streets is this amazing college. And in fact, it's the first college in all of Florida. Yes. And I know your students know that, but there's so many folks that really don't connect those dots. You know, when Winter Park was founded in 1882, um, it was a very advanced town. It, it was a grid pattern. It was uh, intentional. Uh, there was provisions made for folks that would not normally be able to buy property. You know, this is right at the end of the Civil War. Uh, whole provisions were made for folks coming out of the Civil War to be able to buy property. But the other thing they did is they said, we need higher education here in Florida. Right. And... You know, it was only three years later, yeah, 1882 yeah. to 1885, three right. years later, that Winter Park as a city and the residents of Winter Park chased really hard to get the first college in in, the sta- in Florida to right. come to Winter Park. And so when I look at the role of these two institutions, the city of Winter Park and Rollins College, they are so intertwined and they make it, it's like that synergy thing. One plus one equals five. Right. And, you know, you get so you can't imagine Winter Park without Rollins and you can't imagine Rollins without Winter Park. And they're just, it's just a great partnership between institutions. Um, so I'm a little bit of an econ- economics guy. You know, I love history. And uh, what I love hearing are the stories of during the deep recessions in the 20s, you know, in the 30s, and and frankly, you know, in the great financial crisis, Rollins was the stabilizing economic influence, and in a couple of cases, the financial bailout Hmm. for the city. And it's worked in reverse, too, over the years, you know, and... uh, and so I just look at the synergy as being part of the great, I, I just, you can't separate them. Yeah. The other thing that I've found is residents value, you know, their small town charm and their history and heritage. And I don't think any institution in the city has done a better job at that than Rollins. 
you know, you look at a campus that you walk on and there's a feel of solidity and timelessness when you walk onto this campus. And yet you have improved and advanced the education curriculum. Um, to today, you know, you have the, the top executive MBA program in the state yes. as well as other great academic programs. You've made major investments in your buildings. You've modernized, but you have kept the charm of the city. And I can't think of another large area of town that has been as successful as valuing what the residents really value, which is that charm and that history. Yeah. So I, I just want to tell you thanks um, well, for making investments in, in not only in the future, but in a way that it respects the heritage. It's uh, I lo love hearing that and appreciate it. And obviously, I feel uh, exactly the same way. Um, and I know President Cornwell and, and, and many others do. I think it's so amazing how Rollins has evolved in that sort of same regard and that admissions and, and our admissions marketing is so much about Winter Park and mm -hmm. Central Florida um, and just how they're such a, a great asset and add and enhance to the educational and the, and the curricular experience that people have by being in a town like Winter Park, in a region like Central Florida. So it's, uh, it, it, it really is a wonderful uh, partnership and collaboration. Uh, we'll talk about another collaboration in a minute, but I, I ask mostly guests who work at Rollins this question, but I'm going to ask you uh, just for fun. Um, if you were president of Rollins for a day, <laughs> right, with your city mayor hat on, what would, would you do anything, you know, extraordinarily different or anything? I know it's an awkward question. President Cornwell knows that these questions <laughs> get asked, so uh, he, he's always curious and interested in, in, in answers, too. But um, anything you would do, President Anderson would do at Rollins College? You know, I, I probably would open up the campus for the residents and ask each group of students to own a piece of the campus and host the campus for a day and really pull residents in, send the buses out, asking them to come in and say, come, come, we want to share our campus with you. And we want to show you how we feel about our contribution to the city and why we came here. You know, there's this his historical perspective, but there's also, you know, you go into these classrooms and there's so much modernization and so much advanced learning going on that asking the residents to come into the campus and really experience what they experience, you know, for their four or five, in my case, five, <laughs> five years of a college experience. Right. Um, so I think a, a, just a big open house. Love that. Bringing people in and saying, this is, we are part of your city and we are changing the world and this is how we're doing it. Might be onto something. <laughs> it's a great idea, and I, I love that perspective. So thank you. Might might follow up with you on that one uh, at another time. Um, so Phil and I are are excited to to break some news today, if you will. Um, in partnership with the city and the chamber and Rollins, we are starting a uh, a radio show a podcast called Talk of the Town. It will be on this station and in the, in this similar format here on 91.5 WPRK, uh, but the third Wednesday of, uh, of every month, 
um, the city, the chamber, and Rollins, mostly in the form of Mayor Anderson, Betsy Gardner-Eckbert, who's the president and CEO of the Winter Park Chamber, and, and myself as sort of the host and the Rollins representative, will host a show called Talk of the Town. And we'll feature all of the happenings going on in the community. Uh, we'll feature great people in our community doing amazing things to, to, to make our, our community that much better. We're thrilled about it. Um, what's, what's your outlook for, for Talk of the Town, Mayor? You know, I think this is a great opportunity for, you know, for really those of us in the city to get our message out. And, you know, I think doing it in collaboration with Rollins and with, with Betsy and with the Chamber, I think, is a great opportunity. You know, we have, there's so many interested parties that have a vested interest here in the city. You know, yeah. all of those folks, you know, I like to say that we serve all of the people that live and work in Winter Park. Right. And so I think it's just a great additional avenue to get our message out. You know, Winter Park's a great place. We're making improvements. We're moving ahead. And there are issues that are coming up that deserve, you know, public input. Yes. And, um, you know, I think it's one way to get the message out. And my hope is that it triggers you know, the opportunity for public comment and public input on the issues that we may be dealing with. So I think it's just a great avenue yeah. and one of many avenues that we'll use. I love it. Well, uh, we'll keep people posted on our first show, but um, uh, definitely stay tuned and, and this will be a lot of fun. And, and like you said, a great collaboration. And, it, and it's timely too, because we're going to, I'm sure we're going to hear how we're, whether we're winning or losing the battle of the lights. And uh, so you know, right. <laughs> I think we're going to start seeing the lights going up a lot earlier this year. I love it. So it's perfect timing. Is there anything, you know, that I didn't ask or anything else you want to share about what's happening in the city or, or some other initiatives that you might have, you know, on the horizon for the city of Winter Park? You know, we have so many volunteer boards and I want to just do a shout out. You know, this is a Winter Park is more like a New England town in many, many, many ways from the time, the way that we were organized and, and founded in our layout of our city um, to the way we govern. Yeah. And one of the ways that we govern is through the engagement of a lot of residents. We've got over 100, 120 residents that serve on our advisory boards. And, um, you know, I think People think that the only place that happens, that policy happens, is at the city commission. And that's true. That's the only place where it gets voted on yes and no. And right. it's true. That's where the battles over where the financing comes from and, and all of that kind of thing. But we have boards that are engaged in real, real issues. We have an amazing sustainability board, for example, that is looking at issues that affect, you know, our state, our city. We have a utility advisory board. This is a community we actually own our utility for most of our residents, not all, but most of our residents. So we can actually make decisions on how we buy power. And, it, and these are boards that are led by really big professionals. We just formed an ad hoc uh, smart city committee yes. to really look at bringing fiber optic and high-end technology into our city. We have funded that. Um, one of the things that you'll never see, but hopefully you'll notice, 
is that we have fiber optic now connecting most of city services. And where that really affects you is within the next year or two, it'll be connected. Every traffic light in our city will be connected to a fiber optic backbone. And the hope is that it's smart, intelligent sensors that are going to help us guide our way. Um, But there's a lot of these boards, you know, our lakes boards, our parks boards, that are really engaged. And it's one place where folks can become engaged early, early on at the grassroots level. Um, All of these meetings are available online. So if you have an interest, not just in general city governance or politics, but in a specific area of how cities and how municipalities run, I think it's a great opportunity to tune in and watch one of these meetings. That's a great point. And it doesn't, they don't generally take six to eight hours like the commission meetings do. <laughs> right. Um, but, uh, but we really have some great residents, great volunteers. And, and it's something that a lot of people don't, under, don't know about. I, can, I had the privilege of working on a handful of them, uh, Parks and Rec and the Commuter Rail Task Force, you mm-hmm. know, back in the early 2000s and the, one of the, the first library uh, task force. <laughs> and it's real. Like the, the, the residents, these volunteers are empowered to get engaged and, uh, and find out information that the community wants and then make recommendations to the, to the five commissioners. And, um, and, and it matters. Uh, it's not lip service. It's not superficial. It's real. Right. And so I think I, I, I give you and, and Randy Knight, the city manager, and, and the city uh, leadership just a lot of credit for, like you said, giving residents that opportunity to, to engage deeply. It doesn't, doesn't happen all the time in, right. in, in, right. po- in politics anywhere. So that's, that's impressive. Well, I can't thank you enough for taking some time to be with us today. Um, I'm a big believer in, in the timing of leadership matters. And, and having you in this seat right now, I think, is so good for Winter Park and I uh, just wish you and your family all the best in, in this role and continued success leading and know that Rollins is here to help and support in, in any way we can. So thank you. Thank you very much for being with us today. It, it's been a pleasure. And thank you for all of you that work and study here at Rollins. And uh, thank you for making Winter Park a great place. Well, thanks uh, to our listeners for joining us today for Rollins Around Town. A special thank you to Angel, our third-year Rollins student who's operating the board and serving as our marketing assistant for the show this school year. Mark your calendar now for next week. We'll have Mr. Paul Day, uh, the world-famous artist and sculptor who created the Mr. Rogers sculpture that will be unveiled on the Rollins campus the last week of October. Uh, It is awesome. Uh, To keep updated on all of our shows and guests, follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Rollins Around Town and subscribe to our podcast, Rollins Around Town, on Apple, Google, and Spotify. With that, we wish you a great day. Thanks for being with us.